bulletins to the comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 46. You can follow along. Or as this is poetry in the Bible, you are also welcome just to listen with eyes open or closed. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Of the Lord. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountain fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shadow, shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The word of God. We just finished a mini-series on our church's vision, and if you're interested in hearing more about that and learning more about our church, you are welcome. I encourage you, in fact, to find those messages, four of them, online on our website. Uh, next week, I and my family are going to be away for a family commitment, but Pastor Glenn Hoberg from Grace Downtown uh, will be preaching. You really don't want to miss it. It's going to be a big blessing uh, to have him bring God's word to us next week. But I also want to let you know that in two weeks, two weeks from today, I will be starting a new sermon series focusing on objections to the Christian faith, uh, giving some attention and time to common reasons why people, why perhaps you might resist or reject Christianity. Just want to give an honest look at these things, provide a few responses from scripture, but maybe most of all, to encourage dialogue and conversation and exploration together around those things. It'll run throughout the month of November, and so it'll actually be a great time for you to invite a friend or a neighbor or a colleague or you yourself show up if you are inquiring about religious matters, things of God, or if you are carrying big questions and you've been looking for some answers. So that starts in two Sundays, two weeks. Pray for that, anticipate it, and we'll participate together. Today, however, right now, what we're going to do is look briefly at the topic of fear. Let's pray. God, we're asking that as we wrestle with this subject, this challenge, this struggle, this trial that we all carry around in our lives, fear, 
We pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, to use your word, to apply it in the inner recesses of where we most need your grace and truth. Help us to see you in all your glory and beauty. We pray that we would see Jesus and that we would bow our knee. So we commit ourselves to you and we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We live in a broken world of trouble, don't we? A world of school shootings and bankruptcies and lost jobs. And so naturally we live with the fear of the future, the fear of being alone, the fear of making a bad decision, the fear of singleness, the fear of marriage, the fear of losing your marriage. The fear of rejection, the fear of failure, the fear of pain and physical harm and cancer and death. And so we protect ourselves, don't we, with insurance plans and backup plans and SPF 75 sunscreen and sometimes good old cynicism and sometimes guns. We fear and we fear and we fear. Do you fear? Fear can be debilitating, paralyzing. We know that. We experience it in different ways. It can dominate our thoughts, our decisions, even more than we might be aware. Are you aware of fear in your life? Two Christian authors have written a helpful book on this, their names being Wayne and Joshua Mack, and this is what they say, I think, helpfully, I think it's true. Fear is a powerful emotion. Fear will prevent you from doing things you normally would do and cause you to do things you normally wouldn't do. Fear has, a, has caused proud men to beg, strong men to cry, loving men to hate, and peaceful men to be filled with fury. Like a slave master, fear is controlling. Do you feel it? Do you know that in your life? Which is why it's good news, isn't it? Life-transforming news, perhaps. Fear-tackling news to hear this description of God in this psalm, starting in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear. We desperately need God as our ever-present help in trouble because we have ever-present troubles. We need an ever-present help because we are, yes, we are haunted by ever-present fears. And right from the start, the psalm invites us then to name our fears. This is where we begin. Therefore, it says, we will not fear, verse 2, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Doesn't sound good. Though its waters roar and foam, 
You know that feeling. And the mountains quake with their surging. The poetry here, of course, is making a point. This imagery of mountains and the earth, you know, these are two things that are, according to one commentator, insightfully, are, are supposed to be immutable and impregnable. In other words, they're supposed to be unchanging and permanent. You're supposed to be able to depend upon these things. They're supposed to be unbeatable and shakable. Do you have something in your life that you thought was unshakable that's now shaking? That you thought you could depend on for security and it's crumbling beneath your feet. All that you counted on as being stable and strong, perhaps crashing and crumbling in chaos, in this imagery of the sea and its waves crashing against mountainous cliffs, a wonderful symbol of all that is restless and menacing in our lives. Friends, what is today the most pressing fear for you? And it may not be the most obvious and intense fear because some of the worst ones are low grade and underlying. You barely know it's there. But it's there, controlling your decisions, keeping you away from certain people, making you run into the arms of other people, making you run. What's the mountain that's crumbling or that you think might crumble? What are the waves crashing upon the sides of your cliffs? What's roaring and foaming? What is quaking? Will you, friends, examine your lives this week, inspect it for ways in which fear dominates us more than we know, more than it ought? Will you name your fears? Even among professing Christians, it's amazing. It really is amazing. I see it in my own life, how much we can run our lives day to day on the fuel of fear. Even in simple interactions, as you edit your words just a little bit mid-sentence because you're afraid of what the person will think. Because of the way that you adjust your decisions about jobs to take or places to live or how you spend your money. Because you actually quietly are terrified that God might not come through for you in this area of life, in that area of life. He might just leave me hanging, so let me hold on to this insurance plan, which sometimes in our hearts is what we feel like is all we've got. As one author, dear sister Trillia Newbell, has written in a recent book on fear and faith, Fear has a way of whispering lies to our souls about who God is. And so to live by faith in the face of fear, what we need actually is a fresh vision of God to call the lies, to know the truth, to see him for who he is. But what do we need to see in God in order not to fear then? Two things from this passage. First, the nearness of God, and secondly, the bigness of God. The nearness of God. You see, God does offer us real help in our troubles. 
His name is our helper. As verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength. God is our fortress, verse 11 and 7. Friends, whatever you're facing, do you know that God will protect you? He will strengthen you in the face of trouble from ultimate harm. He offers a very present help. You gotta love that language. It's not just a general help, it's a present help. It's, it's specific. It touches down to this time, in this place, in this need, in this heart, and these bones. Do you hear it? The relevancy and the sufficiency of God's grace for your fears. God will help her at break of day, verse 5. It's the language, of course, of the dawning sun. For some of you, it's been and it is a long, dark, scary night. But dear friends, morning is coming. Dear friends in the dark, you're looking out and you just can't see what tomorrow brings, and you won't, but you're terrified at what might be there. And it feels cold and you feel alone. And it's night. Oh, friends, God will help at break of day. Morning is coming. God may not come when we want him to, but you know he's always right on time. Don't be afraid. God will help you. But actually, there's more than that that's offered to us, because even more than his help, can we say that? More than his help, this psalm reminds us that the most precious thing that God offers us in the face of fear isn't simply help, it's himself. God is within her. Verse 7 and 11 again, the Almighty is with us. These words that echo the language of countless promises in Scripture that tell us that God's covenant with his people, his blood-bought promise, is that he will be with you in your night of terror. In places like in Deuteronomy 31, verse 8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Or similar language that's taken up in Isaiah 43, 
which far from being just theoretical words, I myself was able to experience the power of them and being able to share them with someone in our community experiencing much distress and suffering, and maybe that includes you too in this very moment. Isaiah 43, this is what the Lord says, he who created you, he who formed you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. You are precious and honored in my sight. And I love you. So do not be afraid, for I am with you. Will you dare to believe it? When all you have to be reassured with security that indeed it's true that he's with you is not the eyes of your body because you can't always see it and not the ears of your heart because you can't always hear it and oh, for those of you suffering physical pain, not always with your physical bodily senses, because you can't always feel it. But with the eyes of faith, and the ears that can hear, and a heart that can feel and know with gospel confidence that you might believe in his words, I am with you. And this, of course, is the great mystery that our fearful hearts struggle to believe but must believe, and that is that God doesn't promise us that he will spare us from all trouble. This passage, in fact, suggests, almost promises, guarantees that we will be surrounded by trouble. He won't spare us from trouble. What he will do, however, is save us in the midst of trouble. He will not rescue us out of trouble, but he will enter in with us and redeem us and protect us from ultimate danger and harm. He will not let you go. Even as we have the story of these three young men in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who themselves were thrown into a fiery furnace, an oven, refusing to deny the name of God and bow to him, God rescued them. And yet, don't you know, or are coming to know, not by pulling them out of the fire, but rather by being with them in the fire. Because you see, most of us 
Instinctively and understandably, we're looking for renovation of our troubles. Make them stop. Or a rescue from our troubles. Get me out of here. God promised us something different. When we say I'm terrified of losing my life or losing my baby's life, he says, do not be afraid. I am with you. You say I'm afraid of not being able to make rent or it's been hard finding a job. I'm not going to be able to provide. Jehovah Jireh says to you, I am with you. And when your mind and your body feels like it's failing you or your marriage or your relationships and everything maybe that you dreamed your life might be at this stage and age, it's all falling apart. God says, beloved, I am with you. The nearness of God to you in the face of fear Dear friends, do you see it? Do you know it? Do you believe it? Believe him. He gives us, however, not only the nearness of God, but we're also drawn to the bigness of God. The bigness, is that a word? I don't know. You get the idea. Bigness of God. You see, because when we're most terrified, most engulfed and swallowed up by fear, our troubles are the biggest things in our lives, aren't they? They loom large like giants. They loom large like mountains. They crash in on us like roaring waves. They seem like the greatest threat to our life and the resolution of it, the greatest salvation of our lives. When we're most terrified, our troubles are the biggest things or seem to be the biggest things in our lives. But this passage teaches us to say, but what if there is in fact something bigger, someone bigger? and stronger, and mighty to save. This is what our passage declares to us about our God. In verse 4, he is called the Most High God. In verse 7, he's called the Lord Almighty. In verse 6, we're told nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. Listen, God lifts his voice, the earth melts. Do you know this God who, never mind lifting a finger, only needs to lift his voice to liquefy the earth? So powerful is the word of his power. And in verse 10, he announces, if we'll hear it, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Dear fearful one, and I'm talking to myself along with you, do you know that God is God? 
Because this is how we, in part, overcome our fears, not only by knowing the nearness of God, but also by knowing the bigness of God. As these authors say, again, helpfully, the only way to overcome sinful fear is, in fact, to develop a holy fear, a holy fear of God. And of course, when the Bible uses that language of fear of God, it's not talking about being terrified of God in the way that we are our troubles. It's talking about having appropriate, reverent awe. To see God as he is in all of his majesty and power. To see him as the Most High and the Lord Almighty. To hear him say to you, be still and know that I am God and you are not and your trouble is not either. Fear tells us that we need to be in control. God reminds us that he is in control. As Sister Trulia Newbell says, again, helpfully, the very thing that we typically are holding on to, control, is, ironically, the thing we most need to let go of. As you and I come to understand that our God isn't ruling as a tyrant, but is lovingly guiding and instructing as a father, even in our troubles, we can loosen the tight grip on our lives that produces the bad fruit a fear. Because it does nothing for you, does it? For me, does it? To identify him and name him as a refuge if he ain't all that big. It does nothing for you to call him fortress if he can't bear under the weight of the troubles of life. It does nothing to call him help. It does nothing for you to even acknowledge that he's with you unless he is God. And a God who is not only able but willing to save. Have you, friends, been awestruck by God lately? Because we live our lives awestruck by our troubles, don't we? spellbound, paralyzed, almost even just running through these fearful scripts in our heads. We can barely even control it the way fear engulfs our minds and our anxious hearts. Have you been awestruck by God lately? Perhaps can you begin to hear his voice as you tremble before a great financial mountain before you? Be still and know that I am God. And you tremble before a relational mountain or maybe a mental or emotional brokenness or sexual brokenness mountain and you say, I'm afraid until you hear be still and know that I am God. And you're staring at the troubles and trials of life. You're not just looking at the mountain. It feels like that mountain is strapped on your back and it feels big until you hear him say, let me show you something bigger. Be still and know that I am God. And to know that this great God, the grandeur and majesty of this God, 
is applied and disposed towards our rescue and salvation and help not only in the details of life, but most especially here in this passage, in the future. I mean, listen to this. Here we have in verse 8 an invitation to see the future that God has in store for us. Come and see what the Lord has done. It's almost like we're being transported to years, decades, maybe even centuries into the future when all is said and done, when God has returned and made all things right and judged the world. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on earth. Because he's been committed to destroying his every and very last enemy, the worst of which and final of which is the enemy of death. He makes war, we're told. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. This is the story of the future, can we call it, disarmament of all evil in this world, pointing forward to this great day when every trouble and threat will be eliminated from our lives in this world. This promise of what is yet to come when Jesus, our Savior, will come back and finish his work of redeeming and restoring all things unto himself. You see, God is big enough not just to be with you in your trouble, but big enough to heal our entire broken world. Jesus is going to return, and he will surely do it. It's a promise to believe that God cares not only about your individual troubles, though that's true. He cares about all troubles, and he gave up his son to die for those troubles, that this world, this broken and terrifying world, might be healed in his name one day. Which tells us not only that one day it's all going to be made right, but do you know a God whose heart and character and promise is that he will make it right. This is who he is. He has not forgotten you. There's not a single trouble and trial or crumbling mountain or shaken earth, an incident or event in your life that has slipped past the mind and the heart of God. He's going to make it all right. He's big enough to bring an end to all troubles. Hallelujah. All evil. All threat of harm one day. In fact, it's right to say that all troubles, in fact, are temporary. Even if they might last an entire lifetime. Your troubles will not be final or forever. I know it feels like that today for some of you. Do you know this God who one day will end all fear? This God who gave up his own son to heal our world of fear? Do you know this God who is big enough 
to bring an end to the biggest, in fact, biggest trouble in your life. And do you know what that is? It's trouble for a God-forgetting, people-using, selfish, sinful person like me to stand one day before a holy God. Except, but that God was big enough, merciful enough, loving enough to end this nightmare to rewrite this nightmarish final chapter by subjecting his own son to the ultimate nightmare. Where he brought desolation not upon the earth, but upon his own son. That he didn't break bows, but rather the body of Jesus and burned his soul with the fire of hell that you and I deserve for all of our rebellious selfishness. You see, with cosmic judgment on the cross of Christ, upon the head and the soul of Jesus, the earth did give way, and the mountains did fall into the heart of the sea, and the wrath of God did roar and foam and quake against his soul, and he did it in our place. So do you know the commitment of God to you? By covenant, by blood, that he will be near to you, with you, in the storm and in the fire, that he will be big for you, awesome and sovereign and mighty to save. Friends, do you see fear lurking in your life? Do you see it? I, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm a fearful man. I'm walking with you. Do you see fear lurking in your life? What do you need? You don't need better laws simply to contain the threat or better willpower personally to battle troubles in your life. You need a better song. Would you sing it in your heart? And it goes like this. God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, the Lord Almighty is with us. Yes, he is. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. So we come bringing before you with all vulnerability and powerlessness to rescue ourselves from our fears. And we ask that you, by your grace, would do what we cannot do. 
that you would give us courage, grounded in trust, that you are with us, and that you are God. Do this in our hearts, do this in our community, do this for our neighborhood, do this for our city, do this for our world. Let's all stand and let's sing.